Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, braving life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. So I'd love to welcome our guest, Erica Gilbert, to the Next Chapter Experience. And for those of you who are tuning in to this episode, and it's your first episode, let me tell you a little bit about Erica. Erica is the founder of Bank. In addition to that, Erica is an entrepreneur. She's a performance coach as well as a brand builder. She's a lover of hachata. She believes that bodies in motion stay in motion. We're on the same page with that. She <laughs> is definitely into performance assets. And when I say performance assets, I mean, assets that actually produce something and appreciate over time. She's a dream of what's possible for the world is possible for you. And I'd love to introduce you all to Erica and share some of the wisdom that she has, especially in the cryptocurrency space. Erica, welcome. It is fabulous to be back. Thank you for inviting me again. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, based on our first episode, I decided to do a part two because we had such great response from our listeners and they were very much interested in this crypto space. You know, anyone who's attuned to just listening to what's going on on. They've heard about other assets, other digital assets, and they were quite curious about uh, cryptocurrency. So that episode really produced a lot of inquiries, actually, of people wanting to learn a little bit more. So I'm glad that you agreed to come and tell us a little bit more about where things are in the crypto space. So let's get started with just talking about, let's talk about mindset around cryptos. What are you finding to be the, the thing most common when, when the subject or the topic of cryptocurrencies comes up? What kind of conversations are you having with the people that you are coming in contact with? That's a great question. I mean, mindset and money, I mean, the two go hand in hand. And I think one of the biggest things I come across is resistance to something that's new. For a lot of people, when you say the word of the currency, unfortunately, it doesn't have the best reputation based on some of the narratives you hear playing out in the news. You think of Bitcoin, you hear a lot of stories about volatility, you hear a lot of stories about the mining, you hear a lot of stories about the energy consumption and stuff like that. So there's a lot of resistance to this new kind of monetary technology. What's really, really important is that people appreciate that Bitcoin, it's not the only coin out there. As we mentioned in the first podcast, Bitcoin was the first and everything that comes after Bitcoin is what we call an alternative coin to the original. And you look, I'm not one to knock Bitcoin. If it wasn't Bitcoin, you know, none of these other coins would have emerged. The beautiful thing about Bitcoin is it paved the way for newer, faster, cleaner, more productive technologies around building other the digital asset in the cryptocurrency space. So I guess that the, the biggest thing that I get when I start talking about cryptocurrency is skepticism, hesitancy, but it all comes from a lack of understanding the space and what it has merged into since Bitcoin came around over a decade ago. It's an entirely new space. Um, you know, in the beginning, they were almost like revolutionaries, you know, down with the banks. So got this new way of dealing with money and completely independent. But what a lot of people don't realize is that cryptocurrencies, digital assets are becoming very, very mainstream. 
thing. You start looking around, you're going to see signs. Look, there's a restaurant in New York City a couple of weeks ago. I put up a sign, Visa not accepted, MasterCard not accepted, and it listed cryptocurrencies that were accepted. And I'm like, you don't take Visa? Like, wow. Okay, so that's a sign of the times, right? So when it comes to mindset, what I would encourage you know, all of your listeners to do is to, to empty the cup and be open to hearing a whole new dialogue about this new era. So um, do you also encounter the, the mystery, the questions behind what it is and the complexity that some of our listeners might be faced with? Because it does seem a little complicated, the whole crypto space. And do you think that that is another reason for skepticism is, is that it's difficult to comprehend? Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, I take it back to, look, I still remember sending my first email. I remember when the internet came out, right? So I'm aging myself here, right? And I still remember the very first email I sent. And I kid you not, I was in um, Sydney, Australia, and I was uh, dealing with a seller of computer hardware in San Diego, and he wanted me to send him an email. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. He's like, Erica. So we sat on the phone. He's in San Diego. I'm in Sydney. He goes, okay, so open up this, click here, da-da-da, and press send. And I followed with the strike, press send. He goes, so it was new technology that back in the day, I was fearful of. I didn't understand it. It was complicated, right? But then a couple hours later, boom, I'm zinging around, sending emails to everyone. So it's just a matter of being open to new technology and playing with it, having fun with it, and then slowly understanding it. Like I remember it took me 10 months to make my first cryptocurrency acquisition because I wanted to understand everything. It's like, I'm not going to get scammed. I'm not going to lose any money. You know, it took me 10 months, right? Because I hadn't fully emptied my my own cup and I wanted to make sure that all the the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted and doing the right thing. And I only played around with, I think think you mentioned in the first episode, $200. I had an opportunity to either buy this gorgeous pair of boots for $200 or I could put this money and maybe lose it forever into my favorite digital asset. And I was prepared to lose it. I'm like, ching, there it is. And I was very excited. And then I got more confident and more confident and I started to learn more about the industry. And I'm like, wow. And then it dawned on me, we are so early. And I just will not shut up about the subject. I talk to everybody. I cannot shut up. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you talked to me about it. And, and you know how long it took me. Better now than never. I looked at it as an opportunity to learn and to expand and grow. And to your point, not you lose my shirt. Certainly $200 I could afford to invest and possibly lose it. And what's really, really interesting is if you remember the very first conversation I had with you about this, my very first words were, are you open to hearing something? That was my first question, right? And to your point also, yeah, it took me 10 months to talk to anyone about this because I had to sell myself on it, right? I'm the type of person where I need to know everything before I talk because I will feel responsible if someone takes information that I've shared with them and does something with it if I haven't done my own research. And so for me, I need to research something, I need to understand it, I need to prove it works, and I need to play around with it for a little bit and then talk about it, which was the experience between us. <laughs> my apologies for not telling you sooner. <laughs> yeah, well, I could have bought it when it was like 10 cents. So My Jim, bad. There is a little bit of a stigma, I think, associated with cryptocurrencies from on the outside. If you're invested in that area, then you're one of those people. You know, it's very strange. The non-believers, you know, looking at you as if to say, you're falling for that? Exactly. It's never going to be anything. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I declare my independence to be an independent thinker and to explore and discover things that are of interest to me. And 
And that was one of the things for $200, you know, I thought it was worth it to see what could possibly happen with that. And when I look at the history, even though we talked about Bitcoin before, but in the nine, 10 years ago to where it is right now, even with the volatility of it, you can see the advantages to having gotten in early. So I think that that's an important aspect of, of cryptos. I mean, to be aware of where you're getting your information from, mm-hmm. you know, who mm-hmm. you're listening to is mm-hmm. important. But I, so I appreciate the fact that you had enough courage to, to approach me about it. And I'm finding that as I'm interacting with people as a result of podcast and they're asking me questions, I can proudly say, this is what it is without uh, that feeling of being part of that Bitcoin gang or the crypto gang. It seems shrouded in a lot of secrecy, but um, it should open to the public in terms of information. So let's let's talk a little bit about what's going on right now. What are you seeing as, as some of the trends in the cryptocurrencies that our listeners would, would probably be interested in knowing? I think the biggest trend right now is the fact that everyone from every uh, corner uh, of the financial industry is calling for regulation. And you've only got to look at what's happening as we're recording this. We've got the G7 going on and cryptocurrency is going to be a huge topic at the G7. You've got Christine Lagarde out there, European Central Bank, having her little opinion on their currency. You have people in, in Congress talking about regulation. Everyone is calling for regulations on this industry. This is why it is so very, very important when you are choosing to get into this industry is to choose digital assets that have utility, meaning they solve a problem. If you are looking at uh, digital assets that do not solve a problem, that are just there for fun, there is a very, very strong possibility that when regulation comes, there's a very, very strong possibility that about 99% of current cryptocurrencies will simply disappear because they will not be able to pass compliance with the regulations that are coming. And as, as I discussed in part one, one of the things that caught my eye about the digital assets that I'm so passionate about was this one thing called an ISO 20022 standard. And you have to jump through hoops to get this regulatory clarity of this international standard. And that was the first thing that got me interested in digital assets in the first place. Up until that point, you know, I was in the skeptical camp. All I knew was Bitcoin bad. <laughs> I'm not touching crypto. But it was this one thing, this one thing is ISO 20022. I'm like, I know what that means. And that's when I emptied my cup and I started to really look. Since then, the only digital assets that I invest in are the ones where I understand the vision of the founders. I understand the problem that they're trying to solve. And I can see that they are doing their very, very best to work with regulators in order to stay as a viable digital asset in the future. And there's a handful of them. There's probably about 20 really, really great projects. And that's one thing I'd really encourage your listeners to do is when you go to a site like coinmarketcap.com, look at the white paper of the company. You know, read the white paper for in love with the project. Do you like the, the energy of the owners? Do you like what their vision is? Do you like what they stand for? Get involved, get immersed in the, in the project itself. Fall in love with it. I'm not a real big fan of just buying crypto assets, digital assets, cryptocurrencies for the sake of it. I want to know that I'm putting my money into something that has meaning, that is going to somehow solve a problem in the world. I like that. I like that. 
I'm just more in the camp of understanding, you know, the, the company and their mission and what they're trying to accomplish. We definitely align from that perspective. Excellent. Excellent. And here's the thing. If you invest in a digital asset that has great utility, it's going to stick around. If it's solving a problem, it's going to stick around. It's going to satisfy the regulators. It's going to still be here in 10 years time. And I think that's really, really important. And one of the things about Bitcoin that would make me nervous personally as an investor is that you don't know who the founders are. It was designed to solve a problem and it doesn't solve that problem. So it's, um, it's, it's slow, it's expensive, it is not very green. So it, now it's, it's like it has value because people like it. But, you know, I was listening to an interview with Jim Ricketts, who is a very, very famous guy in the financial industry. And he made a very interesting comment that Bitcoin will go away when people get bored with it, just like Beanie Babies. So what he's basically saying is, that Bitcoin served its purpose as being the first, but at one point in time, it's going to become obsolete because people are going to gravitate to projects that are better. And I thought that was really, really interesting. So he wasn't bagging Bitcoin. He was just saying it's going to become obsolete. Well, you know, for those who invested in Bitcoin and who have benefited from its appreciation, they're, they're happy campers. And my favorite coin is, of course, uh, XRP. And what's really, really interesting is that the people who wrote the code for XRP one of them was one of the original code writers for Bitcoin. And he saw the problems that they couldn't solve with Bitcoin. Ethereum came along and the code got made a little bit better than yes. Bitcoin. And mm. then when they made XRP, they got it right. right? Mm. But what I find fascinating is that one of the code writers with XRP is actually one of the original code writers for Bitcoin. So he knows intimately what the problems are and they can't ever be fixed. Unless, of course, Bitcoin moves to proof of stake or not not to use your listeners, Bitcoin could go on to something that's not out yet, which is called the Flare Network. So there's many possibilities. There's many possibilities of which way it can go. But long story short, digital assets, digital currencies, cryptocurrencies, they are here to stay. And the sooner we adapt to this new way of handling money, the better off we will all be. So that's why I can't stop talking about crypto. <laughs> no, it's, and it's a beautiful thing, you know, especially as we, we talked um, in our first episode about the impairment around um, the financial opportunities that are out there to, to diversify portfolios or diversify your assets and things of that nature. And the crypto is giving you an opportunity to create maybe some balance. Is it likely that everyone will just go directly only to cryptos? It just depends on the person's goals and objectives. But certainly giving everyone an opportunity, as you say, what's possible for the world is possible for, for each and every one of us. So if that be the case, then for just like how Bitcoin you know, took off, it could be very very well the same case with XRP or a coin like XRP. Let's stay in this mindset space just a little bit, because uh, as I mentioned earlier, when I do talk about cryptos, sometimes I get a curious look from whoever I'm talking to, or I get a look like, oh no, to your point, don't mm -hmm. want to talk about that. That's ridiculous, that type of thing. We talked mm -hmm. about being open to new information, which actually makes it easier for you to be more adaptable and, and leave yourself a little bit more flexible in your thinking. So let's talk about the mindset of women as it relates to their assets or how they can accumulate the assets they may need um, now and in the future as it relates to cryptos. I think what we're seeing is a whole new era of women realizing that they can become financially independent through crypto. I think one of the biggest problems we have right now, especially you know, with fiat, is that it's losing its value every single day. So it's kind of like you're running around catching your tail all the time. 
just can't catch up. And of course, everyone, but specifically women are realizing that if they put like, you know, back in the old days, you put like a couple of dollars in the cookie jar, right? If you put those couple of dollars into a cryptocurrency account and it goes up even by 10%, women go, oh, okay, I can't earn that in a savings account. But what would happen if I put in a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more? And then before they know it, they've got a nice little nest egg sitting there that they wouldn't have had through a traditional method, like in a savings bank, so to speak. And I think women are coming to the realization that they can empower themselves through crypto very easily. You know, we've spoken about this before, but uh, in some circles, you know, finance is considered to be a male-dominated arena. You look at trading floor, stock exchange, lots of testosterone, lots of yelling, and, rawr, 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 and there's like maybe three women on the floor. It's a very, very male-dominated niche. But what I'm seeing more as I move around the crypto space, there are some very smart, articulated women leading the forefront of the crypto space. You'll find them on CNBC, CNN, Swartbox, BBC, some very, very bright women in the space, really bright women on board of directors of crypto companies, really smart women um, at the SEC looking out of the crypto space. And I think what's happening is women are realizing that it's a level playing field now. And I think that's really exciting. That's important to note. One of the things that I've been thinking about is the whole concept behind cryptos is foreign to a lot of people and a lot of women. For those who have begun a savings and investment program, and this is kind of my thinking, that they should continue that. And if they haven't started a savings and investment program, Mm -hmm. I would say get started. Women in particular. We talked about the mindset or the thought that someone else is going to take care of it, but there's no guarantee of that. So for anyone listening, uh, really thinking about what your financial goals are important to actually think about it. Think about what you want and what kind of lifestyle that you want and begin the process of getting started on doing something, to your point, putting the money into some type of investment. I think I'm more in the camp of women who are already investing, adding this as a supplement or complement to what they're currently doing. And I think that the complement to what they're doing could multiply even more significantly. So it's not about abandoning what you're currently doing. Continue to do that, but find ways in which you can give yourself that additional advantage of growing in another completely different area like cryptocurrency. So as you start to become more disciplined in your approach into investing, because it takes discipline. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes discipline. I mean, you have to make a decision about what it is you want and what your number is. I call it your number. What are you trying to to get to in order to give you the freedom to do the things that you want to do? So whatever that number is and whatever you're working towards, this can complement that. People that I've talked to understand time horizon in terms of the length of time they have to actually invest and accumulate their assets. And it's not a one-year deal, one and done. Sometimes it's a five-year time horizon, 10-year, 20-year time horizon. With cryptos, it's no different because we know the time horizon around Bitcoin was a maturation period of time over almost 10 years. So crypto is not supposed to be an in and out thing, put and take, put and take, put and take. It's certainly a philosophy of investing and then curating that investment over time. So Erica, let's talk about the dip of what's been happening over the last couple of weeks, because there are probably some folks who have been watching because I've had people tell me, yeah, I was looking at the XRP. I see it's up. I see it's down, that type of thing. So let's talk about the dip. What has happened during that dip? What's going on? Well, first of all, dips are fantastic. Okay? Dips are 
start buying opportunities. We all love the dip, okay? <laughs> so when, when I see a dip, I'm like, oh, yes, hello. <laughs> Bring it on, right? Because the thing is like cryptocurrencies, stock markets, whatever, they all have an emotional side, right? But when you draw a line from the beginning of a digital asset and you take that line like a ruler at the and you mark it at the bottom of every single dip, you'll notice that every single dip is higher than the last dip. And then eventually what you'll notice is the last dip is so much higher than the original high. You're like, whoa. And that's when you come to appreciate the dips don't matter. Markets are emotionally driven and nothing goes up in a straight line. When you see a dip, you look at that as a buying opportunity. My personal strategy is I'm what they call a hodler. And that is basically broken down to hold on the dear life. Okay. So I buy and I never sell unless I want to reward myself being such a savvy investor. I might take out, you know, <laughs> a little bit here and there. You should enjoy some profit along the way. But ultimately, I'm hodling for the long term. And when you hodl, you are completely emotionally detached from any dips. You don't care. If anything, if you're a smart, you know, woman, you've got a little bit of cash on the side and you're waiting for those dips to get back in and buy some more. Me, I buy every single day and I might talk about this in a few moments, but I've got myself set up where every single time I use a certain debit card, it rounds out the difference and it buys XRP for me. So I'm buying every day, whether it's high or whether it's low. I'm better daily. And so to your question, the dips right now, we've got a lot of uncertainty around regulation coming. A lot of people are concerned about what that means. Everyone's talking about it, but at the end of the day, regulation are good. It's with the entire industry because then we're all on a level playing field. We know exactly where we're going and we need clarity. We need to know what the rules are. And at the moment, because it's seen a little bit like the Wild Wild West at this point, no one knows. But you've got great people working on great projects that deserve to have regulatory clarity. Now, the interesting thing about XRP is that it's not just in America. It's all around the world. And in the entire world, it has regulatory clarity. Only place we're waiting on right now is the United States of America. So when they <laughs> when they decide to you know, make it final, that'll be the, the last country to come on board. You know, <laughs> But one of the things that is great about America, and I, I feel very confident, is they do not want to start innovation. And I think we're going to have a very, very positive outcome. But regardless of what happens in based in the US, these digital assets are international. They're not just USA. And we tend to think that the world revolves around us, but the world is moving <laughs> faster than we are moving. And hopefully we'll see the benefit of what everyone else, all the other countries have with XRP. And I'd just like to see the XRP to appreciate in value over time. This comes back to mindset and um, emptying the cup and being open to a whole new paradigm. My understanding specifically around something like XRP is that XRP was always designed to be a currency. So if you have XRP on a banking app, like for me, I have Revolut, but I also have Uphold, which is where I've got the other significant part of my XRP portfolio. They have a debit card that's coming out. And what is being said is that because XRP, so it stays in your Uphold account or wherever it is that you're buying. Personally, for me, for newbies, I love to recommend Uphold because it's so simple to use. It's just so basic. It's the simplest, easiest way to buy crypto that uh, was ever designed. The exchanges are like spaceships in my hands. <laughs> Whereas Uphold is so simple. And it should be simple. You should just be able to go to an app, tap buy, and you buy what you want, right? So because you'll be able to like go to a store with your Uphold card or debit card or whatever you know card you're using attached to your XRP account, if the store accepts XRP, like they accept Visa, you will simply present your card and the transaction will be made from your XRP account. So it all comes back to getting clarity around the crypto space. But um, yeah, it, it's a whole 
whole new world. And I would advise your listeners to get in now rather than later because there are some super, super accumulating possibilities in this moment. There's a, there's a fantastic bell curve that represents people moving into new technologies. And at the beginning of the curve, you've got your adventurous ones, the, the, the pioneers that just throw themselves at anything, right? And then the, the bell curve goes a little higher. And then you've got people who are like, oh, this is kind of cool. I'll get in, right? And then at the top of the curve, you've got kind of like the masses. And that's, you don't want to be at the top of that curve. You don't want to be part of the masses. You want to be on that tiny little slope, which is where we all are right now. And the last place you want to be is on the other side of the curve, on the other side. And we call those laggards. Like the other ones, the other ones will come in and buy Bitcoin at 60,000. You do not want to be a laggard. Okay. Every time you say that, I always just laugh to myself. It just seems like a dirty word, laggard. You are late to the party. You do not want to be a laggard. (laughs) But again, to get in the way you're talking about where it's not costing you an arm and a leg, it's money that you would have spent um, on other things. And I thought about this um, as I was preparing for, for this meeting. I thought about the expenses that I had incurred before I became more focused and disciplined. And one expense that I had was Starbucks coffee. Mm. And um, I started looking at what I was spending at Starbucks. And then I projected that <laughs> that expense out over a 12-month period of time. And I, I said to myself, this is ridiculous. I'm going to spend a couple thousand dollars a year on Starbucks. So I said, well, I can just actually get a nice Starbucks and make my own coffee. And that's what I've been doing. And I look at the money that I would have spent at Starbucks, a couple thousand dollars a year. You know, and I thought, why don't I take that and shift that over into an investment? So we're talking about looking at your everyday expenses and determining what can you do with or with out what you might want to do with those extra dollars and cents that you would be spending in those areas and getting in at the beginning, being a 1% of the 1%ers cost you 30 cents, 40 cents, 80 cents to get in now versus mm-hmm. $30,000 uh, as we're looking at Bitcoin. So it, t- it just makes total sense to me in terms of the, the whole mindset around how to actually get into cryptos without a lot of stress, if you will, and overwhelm. Mm-hmm. So it, it just, and for me, that's what makes it fun to look at cryptos as a penny stock. There are some pennies. Yes. Yeah. You can get in for a dollar or less and um, and then watch it grow over time, dips and all. So um, that's kind of how I've been looking at things. But again, getting back to full circle, we talked about the five things that people should do you know, as they're starting to consider this space or just even learning about it. We talked about basically doing your research and you've talked about reading the white papers, finding out about that. Coinmarketcap.com right. is a great resource to, to begin begin to expand your knowledge and also do the research on the individual points that you're interested in, correct? Correct. Okay. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today on this part two episode of FitBank and cryptocurrencies and empowering people to actually take action in a space that we know is going to become our future. And now's the time. Now's the time to let it rip. So again, thank you very much. Honor to be back and hopefully we'll do a part three sometime. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Wissett at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations. So until then, keep that fire burning.